Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi. Welcome to Finders Grievers, a happy-ish podcast about sad things. I'm your host, Shohana Sharman Cecilia. Today, we're back with another mini-sode, and this one is inspired by this one tiny little thing from last week's episode with Catherine Hernandez. It's the part where Catherine talks about coming to terms with the fact that she may forget her mother's voice someday. So Catherine and I recorded that episode in March 2021, and it's now May. But I remember this moment from when we were recording in March. I remember imagining a future where I can no longer remember my mom's voice. I remember that thought feeling like someone had punched me in the throat. Like, really, it was a visceral reaction. I kept thinking about it for days after we recorded, and it took me back to four years ago, to March 2017, when my mom died. After my mom passed away, I became this curator for a museum no one wanted to visit. I think most people would call it hoarding, but for me, it was just what made sense at the time. I kept everything my mom owned. Every single little thing. I kept her clothes, her jewelry, her old glasses, her lunchbox, her Fitbit, the wristband the nurses put on her arm when she was admitted to the hospital. I kept every single little thing. To this day, I keep a grocery list she wrote on a post-it note in my wallet at all times kept it all. But the one thing I didn't keep were my mom's voicemails. Now, my mom and I had a rough couple of years when I first moved back to Toronto with her after finishing boarding school. It made sense. The little baby bird that had left my mom's nest at the age of 13 is not the same girl that came back four years later. My mom was concerned about my suddenly rebellious behavior and I was... Well, I was 17. I wanted to go out and have fun, and I didn't want to have to answer to anyone. My mom worried about me, and she would stay awake until I got home every night. And when I was out late, she would call my cell phone repeatedly, and she would leave these voicemails. And every voicemail started exactly the same way. Cecilia, it's me. Let me know where you are. Cecilia, it's me. Are you coming home soon? Cecilia, it's me. I can't sleep. I'm worried about you. Call me. 
I would listen to these messages and roll my eyes and ignore them. And when I got home, I would try to ignore my guilt as well. My mom never made a scene, even though I kind of wanted her to. I wanted her to scream and fight so that I could scream and fight back and let out all my I'm a free woman, leave me alone rage. She refused. Instead, she would just look at me and she would mumble something like, there's chicken for you in the fridge. And just like that, she would win. The week before my mom died, she slipped into a coma. And that week, I held her hands while she was unconscious, and I whispered, I love you, over and over again, knowing she couldn't say it back, or maybe even hear me. And I thought about all her voicemails that week. I wished I could send her voicemails in her coma. Amo, it's me. Let me know you're okay. Amo, it's me. Are you in pain? Amo, it's me. I can't sleep, I can't eat, I can't think. I'm worried about you. Come back. After she died, I couldn't stop thinking about her voicemails for months. I wished I had saved them somehow, recorded them onto the old CD that I could play over and over again whenever I missed her voice. That year, I spent many wild nights trying to drown my sorrows in alcohol. And on my way home, I checked my phone, and there was no voicemail asking me to come home. And that hurt a lot. Because it's this tiny, awful reminder of what you've lost. When you lose someone, you lose every little part of that person. And so, of course, you want to hold on to whatever you can, whatever is left, whatever is still there for you to grasp, even if it is just a silly little post-it note. I thought about her voice a lot that year and about how I can't hold on to it. I kept wondering what else I might lose someday if my memory failed me. And these thoughts just played over and over in my head like a broken record. What if I forget her voice? What about her laugh? Will I remember her laugh? Or the way she used to clear her throat when she spoke? Or the very specific way she sometimes sighed when she was reading something sad in the newspaper? Will I remember that? I don't know. Here's kind of an embarrassing confession. This fear of forgetting my mother inspired me to write a play that year. It's called Bulu, and it's a play about the tension and the fear of losing the intangible parts of my mother. Because again, after she died, I kept every single little thing for my own personal shitty grief museum. But I couldn't keep her. I could keep her things, but I couldn't keep her. And so I tried to create 
an incredibly depressing equivalent of the Dewey Decimal System for my brain to categorize and preserve the right memories so that I could keep her. Listen, looking back, it's a really bad play. It'll never see the light of day, and that's for the best. And then, you know, eventually life happened. I got busy. I forgot about the bad play. I put all the shitty grief museum stuff in my closet. I even forgot about the voicemails. And so fast forward to 2021, when I heard this part again in last week's episode, and it felt like another throat punch. Like, just like that, that fear of forgetting my mom's voice came back in an instant. And now, a week later, I still can't stop thinking about it. Honestly, this is going to sound bananas, but all of last week, I found myself closing my eyes at completely random times, just trying to hear her voice again, just to make sure I still have it. I have it. I know that I may lose it someday, but I'm not ready to lose it yet. And when that day comes that I can no longer remember the sound of her voice, I don't know, man. (laughs) I don't know what my life will look like on that day. So I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. That's the best I can do. Thanks for tuning into this mini-sode. We will be back next week with another full episode, so please listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this mini-sode or any other episode you've heard so far, please rate and leave us a review. It really helps. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Finders Grievers, and if you'd like to share your story with us, please write to us at FindersGrievers at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar!